Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. of The Sausage Factory. Welcome. In this episode, I chat to Felix Blanchette Blamarche of Becom Studios about the design and development of their point-and-click turn-based strategy smash-up, Sunday Gold. Wow, really, Chris? Is that you trying to summarise Sunday Gold into a point-and-click turn-based strategy smash-up? Really? Well, yeah, because that's what it is. There's a lot to this. Sunday Gold is a fantastic game. Didn't know anything about it. It's coming, coming at me from from you know all sides. But people over at Team Seventeen said you should, who are publishing this book game by the way, you said you should play this. This is all so you, Chris. And they were right again. They are often right about my taste in video games. And here we are, talking about an excellent, excellent game. It's set in the near future, where in in London and things have gone really bad and they're even worse than they currently are. I know it's hard to imagine, but yes, true. And here we are with this gang of people trying to make ends meet as best they can and they get into scrapes, lots of them. And you guide yourself and your this, this trio of people through the rather horrifying future London that could well, very well be. It'll be a bit dark, isn't it? Like, the, you know, like the weather is. You know, it's really dark at the time of releasing this episode anyway. I mean, you might be listening to this in the height of summer. And all that talk about darkness and, and rain and cold is like irrelevant because you can barely remember it. It's all summer and light now. Anyway, while you're enjoying your summer, I'm not. I'm here recording an intro for episode 417 of The Sausage Factory, which I explained earlier. Shall I? Maybe I could start again. That, that'll that work. This. No, I'm not going to do it. Um, that's, um, how about. We talked to, well, listen to Chris from the recent past. Talk to, talk to Felix about Sunday Gold, shall we? That's that's probably a better plan. Chris, please take it away. Felix, hi, hi. Can you tell us who you are and what you do? Okay, so I'm Felix Blanchet Lamarche from Become Studios in Quebec City, Quebec, Canada. I'm a game designer and I've worked on Sunday Gold. Yes, you have indeed. And all the way from Canada land with fellow fellow subject of the king now, no less. Yep. Uh, there's a, a topical thing, although if you listen to it many years in the future, you go, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that happened. Yeah. But, uh, well, it, it affected the release of the game because we were ready to launch, well, the Friday after the, the queen passed away. Passed away, We were yeah. ready to launch, gearing up, and then, oh, we're going to delay a month. Because our publisher, Team Seventeen, is in the UK, yeah. So yeah, that changed all the marketing plans and all the release it did. plans. Yeah, and look at what happened to Nintendo. They could yeah. talk about the new, you know, Breath. Of, well, the sequel to Breath of the Wild, which is one of my favorite games they've ever made. Like Tears of the Kingdom, like 
oh yeah yeah you can't really <laughs> that's a bit that's a bit of a nose that one that's sort of marketing a bit yeah so um but uh anyway we're not here to talk about that we'll talk about you yeah. and this um Tell us, how did you make your start making video games? Well, I've been at Become Studios for almost 16 years now in January, and it was going by another name back then. So I, I got in as a web developer, and I started doing some web development 15 years ago. And eventually I transitioned because there was a need. We weren't doing games at all when we started, and we kind of started making games, and I kind of offered myself to write documentation and design the mechanics and document everything to make sure that it got transmitted to the team properly and to the client. And somehow I became a game designer out of that. So organically, I guess, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, web development, I hear a lot of people say, yeah, I was doing some flash games on Newgrounds. <laughs> that was that, that was yeah. the thing, wasn't it? But no, it's uh, to have that transition from, yeah, that's, that's, I wonder how many. Here's a really horrible HR-like question: like, how many skill sets was was like similar? And but that's, that's a valid question. Is anything from those days that you still found you you glom onto? Um, well, probably there must be something. I still have that logic mindset, I guess, from doing development that I try to infuse into my well, not my designs necessarily, but my documentation. So I give a lot of formulas to my team so, oh this should work like that way and i'll write it down but beyond that i guess just uh trying to find solutions to problems or trying to come up with the best experience because if you're doing a web form it's not as glamorous and fun not fun at all but you still try to make a good experience for you your user and then you try to translate that to making something good for your player i guess that's and I like writing documentation. That's Crazy. fair. That That's fair. I mean, it's an it's a, uh, undervalued skill. Um, I, I play a lot of board games. An amount of manuals and instructions you read, you go, did anyone edit this? Did, I yeah. don't know. Did anyone think this through? Because I can't make head nor tail of this. Is there a video for this? Oh, look. And you watch the video and go, yeah, they're just as confused as I am. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, it's very difficult. I, I, it's a big thing I have on prior knowledge on the audience. Respect the knowledge of the audience. Do they know a lot of stuff already? Do you really have to explain some of this stuff or not? Uh, and I think, yeah. you know, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's very difficult. And it's interesting you talk about solutions and problems. And there's lots of talk about maybe approaching it in a different way and saying, here's a criteria, here's the is the box around which or the thing that you need to design within come up with a design that meets those criteria it sounds yeah. like well you're just moving words around you're just moving responsibility around i'm not but you're still acting you're creating within a space which is a little bit more positive than saying look we've got this positive we've got this problem we've got to solve let's go overcome it rather than Let's do a developer design within these these parameters. Yeah, and I'm yeah, very well, much in favour of the latter than the former. Yeah, I like well not necessarily constraints but parameters and kind of guidelines because you can have the an awesome concept but no boundaries means no kind of you don't have to make choices ever. I think, 
and just being open and it just says like, oh, the scope is infinite and this is kind of scary. Whereas if you're kind of not necessarily limited, but kind of choosing to set limits or set boundaries, then you can make something that's really solid and that's that either small or larger frame. So yeah, you have a canvas, it's X amount of centimeters by centimeters. Yeah. Off you go. That's that's it. And we can only yeah. use knife to paint with, by the way. What? <laughs> hey, they can't use green. What? Oh, come on! <laughs> you know, but that's, you know, it, it's an abstract way of looking at it, but I do genuinely believe it's a more positive way of looking at things. And it's very interesting to see. But that's the thing about game design. I know you know this, but maybe listeners or students of uh, game design may not realise this, but skills from other completely what would be regarded as unrelated industries do actually transfer over very easily there are common aspects regardless of what and it's something if you're thinking of going into this field of game design and development um and you're working in something completely different you'd be surprised it happens quite a lot actually i've found a lot of guests on the show have come from very different industries and found themselves uh making video games uh and uh yeah it's very uh, um very encouraging to see the barrier of entry is very, very is nowhere near as bad. It used to be some twenty years ago, maybe ten, nah, yeah, twenty years ago. I think it was quite uh, even if, further back you go, the worse it gets because of the, the difficulties and the technologies and having to write an assembly <laughs> is is yeah, that's, yeah. that's the thing that used to be prevalent. Yeah, I consider myself like he never had to touch that. Even with my tiny, tiny web dev days for yeah. a little while between yeah. game design tasks. Yeah. No, no assembly for me. Thank you very much. <laughs> but yeah, it's amazing the wizards could do that. They could just see the, the just is it is from like the matrix. They could just see a string of numbers and go, "Oh yeah, that's that's, that's a little dude of a green cape on." What? Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just memory addresses. Okay, right. So, as creators, then to move on to the next yeah. question, but um, and you can. You can say it for your personal self, uh, Felix, or, or for BCom Studios. Both works. What are your biggest influences, do you think? Specific, well, for me or Maybe. for Sunday Gold? Or just Generally, that... you, have, you are creating things. Yeah. And yeah. Well, what, what is the thing that you find yourself orbiting more than anything, whether you like it or not? Well, I'm, I consider myself lucky because I... I was born a couple of years before the NES came out. So I kind of grew up with all the Nintendo consoles and the, basically the current era of video games of like the rise of the consoles and everything. So I was lucky to play, well, I think my favorite game in general, Final Fantasy VI, I think is my kind of best RPG. And some people would kind of disagree that it's the best one, but... I really like the way they were able to plan the story and all the the insane world that they live in and all the adventure that happens on basically a couple of JPEGs worth of memory, which is very impressive. And just other influences that I, mostly games from, from when I grew up or when I was younger, like SimCity 2000, I spent a lot of time in there, just like building the little city. And it was just a... Seeing this, I guess that that you can kind of not extrapolate, but kind of simulate roughly a city and 
what happens and how the people are reacting to different things that are taking place that you're doing in the city. I think was influential in the fact that trying to build systems that kind of build on themselves and that kind of expand on what what's happening the smaller stuff like oh you can place a commerce or some commerce over there and it kind of grows into having repercussions later on and from other aspects like i grew up not so we grew up but i picked up the fallout fallout games one and two mostly and then new vegas later on that i really like really enjoyed playing because all the the storytelling that they can build into these worlds all the extra world building that's outside of the games i find just amazing and how yes they were a little buggy just not gonna not gonna gloss over that but they still built this amazing open-ended game where you can have your fighter or your smooth talker or your different kinds of characters that can all get to the end of the game and kind of have a different different experience throughout so i guess that would be my biggest uh influences but i still i try to draw from as much stuff as i can i guess like everybody does but just picking up small games here and there and then seeing what works well, what doesn't, and how could this be kind of, what could this inspire or how could we not necessarily copy, but kind of draw inspiration or mechanics or how that works into something else. Right, I'm trying to capture, because you mentioned a lot of really iconic titles there. Although a friend of mine is currently playing through Final Fantasy II. Pro tip, don't do that. Uh, it hasn't it hasn't aged terribly well. Um, uh, for me, Chrono Trigger is the one I always point at in that from that era, which is you know a bit de rigueur, I guess that, but uh, it's a good game. Well, it's an understatement, isn't it? It's a bit of a classic. Um, and my personal Final Fantasy favorite is still nine, still nine. I still, you know, that's the one for me that really got me excited. I know seven is the traditional, but I. Kind of like that. Anyway, um, it's you know, and then he went on to talk about the open world and the, and the Sim City stuff, which is you're right, was amazing. I still remember building my first uh, like I don't know, mass transit system and trying to build a tunnel, and it's like it stopped. Why is can't I build it? Oh, it's really oh my god, that's really expensive. <laughs> but why? But then you realize, oh well, that's why you know. Um, but no, it's the like emergent gameplay stuff, and then. Strong narrative, learning all these little pieces and taking those nuggets from all those decades of playing and hours and hundreds of hours of experiencing them, and then going, hmm, how can I draw from all these things and create and help create something? Yeah. Which is what we're here to talk about is Sunday Gold. So it's like that's why I asked that question because it's there's aspects of Sunday Gold that are fascinating. Like, where's this from? Yes. There's aspects that are similar to other things, but it's different enough to make it its own, and that's really important. So, no, it's a, it's a great answer. There's many, and you're right, many other mediums as well. And indeed, walking down, taking the dog for a walk, whatever, you will get yeah. inspiration from something, something seemingly benign to, to most people you turn into, like you just see a, a leaf fall on something, and you go, oh, you know, and that will just trigger something, and off you go, um, and and then that will suddenly you go back into the office and go see that stuff we've been working off for the past three weeks. We need to throw it out now, 
because I've got this way better idea. Really? Seriously? No, seriously. But that's how creativity works. It's it's somewhat yeah. destructive. It's somewhat destructive as well. But anyway, that aside, let's move on to the next question. Um, what video game developer do you admire most and why? Hmm. Well, I don't want, not necessarily an easy answer, but I think anyone that touches a game as it's being made, I think deserves some admiration from working on smaller and Sunday Gold is my largest project to date. And the amount of work and care and expertise that has to go into it, into any game, whether it's a tiny, tiny game that you play for five minutes or something that you're going to play for hours, I think it's praiseworthy, but specific people. <laughs> and I read Sid Meier's, and I played this game, Sid Meier's memoir with an exclamation mark at the end, just uh, this summer. And it's really impressive how he was able to kind of explore different genres and at kind of the infancy of computer games, mostly. So just exploring stuff and building games that from if you're looking at them in context, they kind of go somewhat beyond the the games of that era in terms of simulation and depth most of the time, or just just different mechanics that they're exploring, like the civilization games and the was it railroad tycoon, not railroad tycoon, but railroads, a handful of different games that kind of went beyond what was being made at that time. So kind of the ambition that goes into making these games. And a more contemporary, I guess, uh, developer like Zach Barth from Zachtronics, because every now and then I, I tell myself, I'm going to play a cool, awesome puzzle game. And then I get humbled pretty quickly on how complex and just different everyone, every one of those games end up being. And that depth that goes into them like you're building a puzzle but out of little machines that kind of feed into themselves most of the time and that's really impressive like this is someone that said like i want to make puzzle games and they make puzzle games the whole like all different kinds of puzzle game it's yeah that's i guess the the ambition of sid meyer and the kind of focus and kind of explorate exploration depths of zach barth would be my kind of admiration targets. Yes, Mr. Meyer has stolen a lot of hours of my life, especially as a youth. When I was playing uh, yeah. Civilization One on my Amiga way back <laughs> when. I'm showing my age now, but that game's thirty years old. And uh, wow, still, still, still smarting over how the Romans just launched an attack. It was unprovoked. Unprovoked. What's this? And then proceeded to have a big feud for the next. Thousand years, yeah. um, but no, it's um, a, a remarkable. Uh, he's he's got a extraordinary mind. I think he's still got his hands in things every now and again. But I think he's pretty much retired now. But uh, yeah, uh, could, could he, well, his name is often mentioned when I meant, yeah. when I asked that question, and rightly so. Uh, that's for yeah, creation of puzzle games. That's that's no mean feat. I mean, it's, threes is still take a drink, everyone. See, I mentioned it. Breeze <laughs> is still one of my, my favourite uh, puzzle games to the, to date. And I'm still rubbish at it. But anyway, you know, it's just uh, sometimes you go, oh, I've got, I've got a pattern going. That's the key, isn't it? When you get that 
sudden flow. You don't know where it came from. Yeah. You'd love to recreate it, but you can't. And it just happens. And that's that's the joy of puzzle games. Okay. So last question of the first half. Here we are. We made it. Yeah. Well done. Here we go. Uh, what are you playing right now, Felix? I've been playing a couple of different games that I think will tie into some of the stuff down the line. Mm-hmm. I've been playing MTG Arena pretty much every day because I'm a sucker for retention mechanics. Right, I'm okay. Gonna, I'm so Magic the Gathering, so I understand yeah. that, Quinn, but everyone needs to... Yeah. It's Magic, everyone. It's the, it's the yeah. game where you like lands and then you might summon creatures and then the creatures might do your effect. No, they don't. And then you do all sorts of weird and wonderful combinations. But it's a yeah. it's a mildly popular game, I understand. It's it has a little pre- little presence in there in the market. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so I, had, I had I had started playing playing physical magic before the pandemic a couple of years and then just okay. like that got kind of kind of stopped. Right. With uh, working from home. So I play empty arena. And also Recently, I've been getting back into Diablo Tree just for the instant rush of satisfaction, just like destroying demons. Pop, 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 pop. So it's a bit mindless, very mindless, and you're just destroying stuff, and it's satisfying. But for my kind of delayed gratification stuff, Factorio is a, my go-to kind of. I'm going to spend the whole day just building a little factory thing, and it's, then it becomes a giant thing. It's supremely satisfying, isn't it? Yeah. Until you go. Something's wrong. I know I built. I know I was looking after that thing. Oh, what is this? And he just <laughs> this whole corner of the factory. But um, yeah, Factorio, which is heading to Switch very soon. Oh, nice. Um, I don't know. Hopefully, it doesn't collapse in on itself because that's that's a lot of numbers sloshing yeah. around. Um, but what I loved. Uh, I mean, it's very interesting. Like whenever Factorio is mentioned, always. <laughs> Like, uh, they refuse to put that game on sale. The amount of times that people say, oh, I'll wait for it to go and sell. Like, well, you'll be waiting forever because <laughs> they'll never will. If you, but yeah. their logic being, I want to play this game. Well, how much is it? That much. That much. Okay. Is it? No, that's it. It will never go and up, as far as I know, but that's it. Yeah. But it's not too expensive, so it's well worth the, the price. So, but and it's, just yeah. go on. seeing all these... Like you build this, you start with a small, small thing, just a guy like picking rocks, and then you, yeah, yeah. it automates and it becomes this gigantic machine that you, you can't really, well, I'm, from my experience, you can't really figure out like when it, it got huger every single time. But just at some point, you scroll back and realize, wow, this is immense. This is a million machines just working together and somehow not making giant traffic jams on my train tracks. <laughs> that doesn't happen. Not at all. Such is the joy of city builders and world mm. builders. and people. That's why they're so successful, the sense of appreciation yeah. and gratification of having that thing expand and seeing it all kind of working, <laughs> but not always. Mm. And that's the joy as well. It's like, oh, okay, that's not working. Let's focus that on that. And then you tweak with that and then, Go, oh, hang on, well, it's not working. I mean, it's just like this constant sort of whack-a-mole with a giant factory. Yeah. Um, uh, and there's many. I mean, the reason I like Stellaris is that is that being able to create a civilization, you know, expand, and you know, uh, be free, you know, cordial and friendly to the neighbouring until they start to say, "There's a there's a pattern with me and and civilization related games." They start. 
but um, no, I do do really understand the appeal to that. There was a game I played at EGX called The Last Starship by um, Introversion, and uh, that has similar vibes to it. Very early stages at the moment, but you do build large starships and indeed fleets of starships, and you can nice. mine. And a similar sort of like vibe, you very minutia, all about minutia. Like, well, you got this pump there, right, to get the air out, but you need to power it. Okay, well, you need to get the cables to. <laughs> like, yeah. Really? Yes, but people want that minutia because when it, you know, it's just it's wonderful. So, yeah, it's not for everyone. But then again, what medium is? That's the point. That's yeah. The point. And my final game that I've been playing recently is RimWorld, which taught me that I could get really really attached to a procedural character that doesn't have anything special other than just a bunch of properties drawn, drawn into it. Like My little builder woman in my colony is the best, and I'll never get her close to fighting because she's terrible at fighting. But she builds everything perfectly, and it's awesome. And then just expanding, again, just starting really small. There's like three little colonists stranded in the middle of nowhere with like bedrolls and nothing. And then... Yes, the uh, that yeah, it's neuroses, isn't it? Here's here's what happens when you throw a bunch of people in, genuine people, well, not genuine, but people who, or creatures or AI that kind of simulate when people have strange neuroses, yeah. like they're afraid of ice cream. Okay, I'm sure it's fine. And inadvertently, inadvertently, you suddenly put some ice cream somewhere nearby, and then they freak out, like, oh, t- what? <laughs> What happened to Dave? Oh, yeah, he saw an ice cream cone. That, that was it. That was, I warned yeah. you. We did warn you. <laughs> and then you kind of have to kind of babysit everybody yes. so that. Uh, yes. And then if you lose somebody, like I've had a few cavens while mining, yeah. and that was devastating. Oh no, yeah. this guy yeah. that's been with me for months and months is now dead. This is yeah. not cool. But. Also, just procedural people, but also procedural story. Like, what happens is all an algorithm that just feeds you stuff. And then you, yeah, being able to also tweak the personality of your storyteller is a pretty neat feature where you can have the crazy, I'm going to throw anything willy nilly at you. Oh, sometimes it's going to be super hard, but sometimes super easy, but sometimes crazy stuff. Or the, the smarter storyteller that ramps up smoothly so that you're not overwhelmed on day one. So that's a nice, a nice uh, kind of toy that they've built and that you can create stories with. I've, I've read somewhere that initially the plan wasn't to have colonies that would be sustainable for a long time. It was just like build your colony to build your spaceship and then go. But some people just got attached to their colonies and they never built the spaceship. And then they just kept kind of making the colony work and go through winters and summers. And, and that wasn't the intended the intended like design initially. Yeah, they crashed. They need to leave. Yeah, That's the point to leave. You know, it's very funny. It's like you don't want to stay here. This is, this is like a demon world or something. You don't want to stay here. People trying to chew your face off. Just leave. But no, people get attached to that. So anyway, let's uh, let's move on then, shall we? To part two of the show, where we're going to delve deep into Sunday Gold.
So, Felix, um, yes. I wish you the very best of luck with this. I always say this to every guest, but this especially. Uh, I'm not going to hate you to do it, but fair play to you. Okay. What is Sunday Gold? Okay, Sunday Gold is an action, uh, not an action, an adventure game, point-and-click adventure game with RPG elements and JRPG combat. That's That feels like a sort of thriller heist movie, sort of, that you're playing through. And I guess that would be my best description without the action part at the start. Not sure why I said that. Uh, there is an element of it, but you're right. It's it's more you managing the process of getting the characters through these various scenarios without doing harm to themselves and others inadvertently because of their mental state. But I think there's some other aspect we're going to focus on about Sunday Gold, which is the stats, the stats of the player, the player characters, of which there are three. Well, a number. And um, it's not just their strengths and their intelligence and stuff, but it's also their mental state and their sense of purpose and whether they are actually confident or do they think the world is about to end this is very darkest dungeon like although it's about composure i don't want to compare it to other games it's unfair but for the listener if you're familiar with that very it's 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 a title that's featured on this show um and uh yeah if you if you familiar that kind of concept the same kind of thing although it's more it's more manageable kind of uh because you have abilities and add-ons and things you can throw at them to make sure they can calm down a bit. Especially Gavin, poor fella. He's very highly strung. <laughs> For obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, Gavin's going through tough times. He's going through tough times. Um, on the, you know, on, on the job market and all that stuff, he's, he's, not, he's not happy. But then again, you know, for good measure, a good reason, I should say. So my first question is related to the composer condition. In Sunday yes. Gold, it forces player to consider the impact of the decisions they make when they're fighting or engaging with, you know, just taking a turn or because there's there's t- action points each character has which occur in the point and click aspect. You know, if you want to yes. do a, a search or you want to move something or do a special ability. It's going to take you action points, and you start running out of action points. And when you run out, then you have to take, you know, a turn and end the turn. And then your the the, the awareness of those authority will be because you're basically a gang of thieves, really opportunists. That's a better word. Um, um, basically, what I'm getting at is that that's was this the the presence of this. Composing condition, was it there to really, uh, how can I put it, influence the player to understand the consequences of their actions? Was that, was that the point of it? it it's partly consequence, uh, a part of a consequence system, but also because the characters are going through something that's kind of creepy and kind of disturbing for them. So we wanted to reflect that alongside their hit points so that they have their health and their mental health. So as you're going through the adventure, it gets kind of strange for them. 
depending on where you are in the adventure and I'm assuming that you've seen a couple of things. Oh yes, I've seen that there's this yeah. stuff. It's not for children, everyone. This is it. Yeah, there's <laughs> there's some grim stuff. And some yeah. weird stuff and some funny stuff, to be clear. There's a there's a whole mixture, yeah. but it's a it's a set in a near future, by the way. Near future London. Uh yeah. and uh you you've done a reasonable job of projecting what's gonna happen. Although considering recent events at the time of recording this show, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Some of the the reviews that I've read mentioned that hey, it might not be that far in the future after all. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this is pretty. So. This is pretty grim. Um, but um, but do you, was it his intention to to infuse consequences, or is it just something a happy consequence? Well, it, it was the intention to have there's some actions that you can make that are going to be kind of more difficult for the characters mm. mentally. So if you're searching a body and you're kind of digging around and you're going to find some, well, the characters are going to be negatively affected by what they do. And some events in the game that take place will kind of affect your characters and they're going to be feeling worse. And then you're going to feel it yourself through the interface in combat, the kind of time pressure mechanic that takes place in combat and some of the stuff mostly mostly that Gavin sees, but that Frank and Sally also kind of experience where Sally's gonna start hurting her allies when she's getting too stressed when she heals them. And Frank's going to instead of motivation as a thumbs up kind of guy, he's gonna motivate you at, with fear, whatever his <laughs> fist. So that kind of changes the dynamic of like how these actions work. And yeah, yeah. then you can also manage it. So it also feeds into the sort of action point system where if you're spending time managing your composure with Frank's abilities or consumables, well, consumables, you're going to run out, but Frank's ability is kind of always there, but you're going to run out of action points quicker during your turns and you're going to have to possibly have more fights because you're ending the turn. So that kind of all feeds in to the same, well, to a, a whole system ecosystem of mechanics that work together. Yeah, yeah. So, in Sunday Gold, there's a mixture between puzzle solving and tactical turn-based combat, and it's a little at odds with each other. Yet somehow you've managed to integrate them into a cohesive whole. How have you found doing that in a design process? Oh, in one word, challenging. Right. In more words, just we were trying to infuse tension into kind of your adventure because you're as you were saying you're not supposed to be there you're kind of breaking into these different places that you're exploring and people are don't want to have you there and they're trying to chase you out or just kill you so we were trying to find a way to kind of kind of find a good way to meld these two well this situation of tension with puzzle solving which usually in adventure games kind of is light on tension mostly where you're just exploring and you have your all your time and you can just try the puzzles and try to make stuff work so that's where the action points system came in where we wanted you to to kind of solve puzzles but the world still has to continue turning in the meantime so that's kind of the system where when you hit end turn you're gonna say okay i'm unpausing the world for a couple seconds something's gonna happen hopefully not a fight but sometimes fights and then you kind of resume exploring. You you might trigger some events while you're exploring, but you're mostly kind of on pause for the 
for the action during that time. And then sometimes you're going to have combat that's going to come and try to, well, enemies that are going to come and try to deal with you. And blending these two genres together was, well, challenging, yes. But also, as we kind of refined the mixture, we kind of, we had two like resources, we had action points for exploration and energy for combat. But at some point, we, we we kind of figured out that it kind of made two different systems where you didn't have to interact with each other. So, oh, you're just going to spend your action points and then fight with another resource. So, okay. yeah, yeah, that yeah. didn't work out so great. So we eliminated eliminated the energy and we merged it with action points where you're just going to have to plan out your moves yeah a bit like let's say an XCOM where you're not going to send your final soldier on your turn the furthest ahead to explore because you're probably going to run into some enemies which mm. first play true that happened all the time for me second play true i learned and in XCOM always have a backup but, always have someone covering them as they're moving forward yeah two by two formation there it is it yeah. exists for a reason <laughs> so so in sunday gold we have this we kind of encourage a player to not go into a room with without action points or not kind of start another trigger an event with with few action points so you're going to be ready for if a fight breaks out so that's how it all came together basically okay cool next question the there's a lot of buffs and uh, damage over time dots more dots yeah. Uh, it's a reference to an old video. But anyway, play uh, every massive role in tactical combat in Sunday Gold. Um, was this developed from tabletop RPGs? And if so, have you exploited the fact that it's been de- delivered via a computer model rather than just simple weird analog dice rolls? Yeah, the I think having it delivered via computer gave us a lot of freedom because you don't have to manage all that stuff. Like yep. the mental load is a lot less. Mm. Again, re- referring to Magic, Magic the Gathering, you kind of have to keep it simple on your board because you, if you had to keep track of everything every turn, it would just be ridiculous because yeah. then yeah. so much stuff. Compared to, let's say, Hearthstone, where it's computer-controlled, so damage stays and conditions can be there, random stuff. So yeah, yeah. that's so we kind of... I We wanted to have buffs and debuffs that would affect... How the characters act so and react to different situations, mostly in combat, but it also feeds into the exploration system. Mm-hmm. And yes, having it kind of delivered via something that you don't have to manage everything, namely the computer, made it a lot simpler and gave us more room to have more buffs and debuffs and all these conditions that interact with each other. Yeah, yeah. cool. Yeah, it's a it's really convincing, and as a player of these. I mean, I'm playing Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay at the moment, and that it's just you roll two dice, and then you spend the next ten minutes going, "Well, is it plus ten? Aren't you standing next to them? Yeah, but he's got someone next to them, so they gets minus five, right? So, yeah, it turns into a ridiculous maths problem. Whereas with Sunday Gold, it's all laid out for you; it's all very transparent. You're really yeah. upfront with what's going on, so you can actually manipulate it yourself fascinating stuff and i'm really i'm really grateful for its presence and how, how upfront you are like be all these things you really put the numbers you don't yeah. hide them you don't hide them that's really 
It's really great. Um, you know, dice rolling is there, and that's not up front, but everything else, how you manipulate those numbers is very much present, and that makes life a lot less confusing. You know how to manipulate. You know what's important and what isn't, and that's vital yeah. when in tactical games like like uh, Sunday Gold. So, final question, Felix. Here we are. Right. It's only a matter of time, you know. The visual styling. Yes. Can't ignore this. Key feature of Sunday. And there's always regular listeners may notice that this is the last question I usually draw on when I talk about video games because the core of it is the, you know, is the, the core engine of the, the system and how everything integrates. But as we all know, one of the last things you do, contrary to some people's belief, is the graphics <laughs> and the visual styling. So that's why it's my last question. So it's the audio design as well, everything, the whole presentation, the entire thing is comes across as a visual novel. When in reality it's it's quite far removed from that. I don't feel I'm reading through a novel. I'm living it, I'm experiencing it, I'm manipulating it, I'm changing the story, I'm making it my own. How have you found designing the pacing of Sunday Golds as a result of this this you know, it's it's a feeling of one minute you are in an action-packed fighting sequence. Next minute you're pondering why you can't drain this 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 um, drain pump thing because yeah. you need to get a key. Sorry, a bit of a spoiler there, but it, it's <laughs> way early in the game, so fine. Yeah, uh, yeah. The the visual styling was something that came up early because we were in a partnership with Volta, a studio from Quebec, that basically came to us with like, we have this cool art, this cool setting. Do you guys feel like making a, a game with all that? So sure, it was looking awesome. We see some directly in the game, in some of the newspapers, we see like original art from the first batch of art that we received. And we built all this visual style, I think, again, we excludes me in this case, because I am not an artist. So the, the art team made an awesome job of doing everything look making everything look so great and the comic book style was basically a sort of shortcut to represent like these stronger moments or the close-ups of let's say in about 20 seconds of the game when you try to reach for the the homeless man's crowbar yeah where we didn't want to have an animation of frank reaching down and picking up so we kind of had shortcuts of all these moments yeah, where great. you're breaking the, the yeah. lock and as far as the pacing goes, we didn't re not necessarily didn't take it into consideration, but it kind of the visual style kind of supported the the storytelling aspects, but it I don't think it kind of limited us to having this kind of slower pace, kind of uh, more relaxed setting. If that if that's yeah, because when you're playing, sense. when you're reading through a visual novel, you're leafing through it at your own pace. Whereas Sunday Gold thunders along a fair old crack. You know, once you start getting through the puzzles and stuff, and getting through each interaction, and you've got a timing, anything you've got, you've got to make sure you've got enough action points and the whole thing. Yet here you are looking at it through a visual novel um, frame. And it's like it's, it's it's at odds again. This is a lot of uh, yeah. contradictions in Sunday Gold, uh, and it's one of the reasons I like it so much uh, because <laughs> there's some 
I say somehow, it definitely comes together and you've definitely put a lot of effort into making sure that is true. Yeah, there's some experimentation in there as well. Yeah, yeah. Of like we were talking about blending the two systems of exploration and GRPG combat. Mm -hmm. There's some exploration and kind of experimentation that we did with pieces that work and exist outside yep. of our game and then try, try to combine them together to make something that hopefully works. <laughs> oh, it definitely does. It definitely well, does. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So Sunday Gold uh, is developed by uh, Bcom Studios. Where's, it, where's yes. the name come from? Mm. Uh, again, I'd refer to Sid Meier in this case. I'm uh, okay. I'm doing games. Business is doing being done by somebody else, but it's an aspirational name, I think. Oh, okay. Like become become. There you go. That's, that's lovely. That's great. It's beats animal and color. Yellow mm -hmm. Pig Studios. What is this? It's fine. <laughs> and it's, of course, published by our good friends, Team 17. Yes. And uh, it's available on what platforms? It's on PC, on Steam for now, as far uh, as far as I know. But we may look into expanding into onto other platforms eventually. It's, it's very important. Historically, many, many years ago, I rattled off the, the platforms for a game, and it turns out, I read the internet and I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> so I had to quickly edit it after. But so ever since then, I always ask the guest to rattle off what platforms it's on. But Felix, it's been wonderful having you on the show. Thank well, you very, very great. much. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been a pleasure. You're more than welcome to come back to talk about what next you're probably working on right now. You're probably right in the middle of it. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't really talk about it, but yeah. Of course, you can't. No, it's <laughs> probably you know a car racer. It's fine. Uh, I'm kidding. Uh, but whatever it may be, you're more than welcome to come back and chat about it. But until thank then, you. thank you very, very much. Thank you. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash cane and rinse for early extended and exclusive podcasts find us on twitter facebook instagram twitch youtube and at our website cane and rinse .com. <laughs>